Hello and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and discuss it in detail. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about Silver Tongue, the fourth album from Torres, which is the stage name of singer-songwriter Mackenzie Scott, and it starts with a song called Good Scare. To love me through the bars of a golden cage Don't make yourself sick with the wanting skittish thing When you said you couldn't swing it a critically acclaimed third album that was her first for 4AD, the legendary label, which then promptly dropped her because that album was not commercially successful enough. So she made this record in the interim when she was feeling kind of lost and she had a lot of relationship stuff going on. Her father was in an accident, become, became paralyzed, and she wasn't even sure if she wanted to continue with music. And so she started writing and recording this record, which was then picked up by Merge. And hopefully this is the beginning of a new chapter in her career. Yeah, it's always good to hear about Merge co- coming to the rescue. They, just, they have that nose for, you know, something interesting, something a little different. And this record really made a rapid impression on me on the initial listen. It has this kind of otherworldly nature. Her voice is so, you know, it has that spookiness to it. And yet she is able to... I mean, this song, it, it seems, you know, it's this, I love the the imagery of the bars of a golden cage and this really dysfunctional relationship. And so it seems so self-serious and so intense. And yet there's this entire middle section, which is very self-deprecating humor about how she's from the South and like, ah, I can sing some kind of fake country music that all people really like that. And so I love that even in as she's dredging through these dark feelings and clearly having had some some kind of unfortunate relationships that she's able to have a sense of humor about herself. And it, I think goes through the entire album that it, it could be so kind of dour. And instead th- there's a little lightness there. And even at the, as it starts that her voice kind of le- takes lead. And then there's these synth lines that kind of come in and counterpoint. And so it, it, it has a lot of delicacy to it. And it's, yeah, I think the the way that this album introduces itself is really interesting because it starts with this very minimalist synthetic beats and then her voice comes in that you said is so over otherworldly and almost it's very haunting yes and then she brings in these very 80s sounding drums that remind me of like the war on drugs and some of these bands that have done sort of an 80s revivalism and and there's the very 80s sounding guitar as well and so the production takes it in a direction that i didn't expect at all yeah but it works better than i would have expected and 
thankfully though i think the album doesn't stay in any one place for too long and moves you know i think a different flavor of 80s maybe on the next track we'll hear it's called dressing america i know you like to keep us wondering record it's so lovely and what i like about the way that it comes in we played the beginning there was that it starts out with this very minimalist sound and her voice and the way her the way that she's singing over the guitar is like slightly offbeat like this it's not synced up perfectly and then as the song and it just seems a little bit off kilter and then as she goes through the verse it comes into sync and then the drums, so it's kind of a light brush drum, and then the more serious drums come in. And then as the the verse sort of amps up and she goes toward the chorus, her voice just gets louder and stronger. And it just is such a, it really brings you along emotionally. And I, I just love the way she does that. Yeah, I, I think I hadn't picked up on that sort of timing out of sync bit because I was so drawn in by how there are these two two or three very different guitar sounds and the interplay of those, how there's this almost super echoey and almost, it almost sounds like a bowed instrument. I think it's a pedal steel. Yeah. The pedal, yeah. And there's a pedal steel in the credits. So I think there's like this pedal steel and then a very stripped down, not processed at all, not quite acoustic, but very just like a folk singer. And so it's somehow living in this space between this like, again like singer songwriter with a single guitar and this huge arena rock like i got serious u2 vibes off of this song in a way that i would not have expected but both that guitar sound and how it just seems designed to fill the biggest arena you can find and even i feel like some of her vocal choices i felt like she was channeling bono in a way that was good and reminded me of the old stuff and And again like like the best of the 80s and it sounds really intimate because of the way that it's very close mic'd yeah it's it's this again she's treasuring her soul and this sort of just reaching out to someone and 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 then looking just now reading you know reading through the lyrics and reading through the timing of how the song progresses 
it's structurally really weird because there's these little places where it kind of trail where she trails off and then kind of catches herself back up and this kind of come on come on and then it what seems like a chorus but after completely changing directions about this entire little bit about sleeping with her boots on it's such a great lyric i tend to sleep with my boots on should i need to gallop over dark waters to to you on short notice yeah and so it's this tremendously romantic and very sweet and very dense and very huge song all at once and it does not feel forced this record, she had said in interviews, was written over the course of her relationship with her girlfriend, Jenna Gribben, who's also an artist. And she wrote the songs kind of as they were, as she was experiencing the parts of their relationship rather than in retrospect. So I think that really gives them the emotional immediacy of kind of falling in love with someone and having difficulties in the relationship. And it really, it feels very authentic. Yeah, they're certainly going into some of the dark sides and the doubts and uncertainties of a relationship. And we get right into that into the next track that we'll talk about, which is called Records of Your Tenderness. You in the corner watching me You with the gaze I die beneath You smoked parliament blues In my and I went and hoarded the ash I let myself love You know when I could never look back I've dug so many graves That I never had plans to fill I've saved records of your tenderness That you say don't exist See my love how this song combines two different uncertain takes on a relationship because she in that chorus talks about her own like oh I'm so uncertain and my mind feels like I'm tripping myself up and how she's trying to dive into this relationship and at the same time it's about you know seeing someone and seeing things in that person that maybe they don't see she talks about how like oh you you know i see how tender and loving you are these mm-hmm. records of your tenderness that you say don't exist mm-hmm. and that it's it's really it's a it's spooky but it's so fundamentally touching because it's about that sense of these two people each of which like she doubts herself and her new partner doubts herself and yet they're reaching out to each other mm-hmm. and, and making each other better and i don't know i feel like this is a really hopeful song oh well i i I felt like the beginning was so spooky sounding and I realized to me it sounded like Gregorian chant, which she has said is a strong influence on this record. And one of the quotes that I found in a spin interview she gave before this came out was she said she alternately describes the record as Gregorian country if the Phantom of the Opera had a pedal steel and Enya meets Phil Collins's Tarzan soundtrack. And I'm like, yeah, I can kind of hear all of those things in this song. Yeah, the, ch- the chant-like opening. And yeah, mm-hmm. and then there's two, two such different sounds. Because then the chorus 
it's almost like a dance track with this crazy kind of yeah. sci-fi synth beat to Wait, it. How is the beat? <laughs> it feels yeah it's yeah. like a very pew 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 kind of again i just viewed it as like the sci-fi dance mm-hmm. kind of vibe and that they both coexist all these you know she's taking risks as a songwriter yeah she produced this all herself too and it, it's i think she does really interesting things with the production in a way that make me surprised every time i hear the like when i hear the song start out it always ends up in a place that i didn't expect yeah. and i think that's what makes it so listenable over and over again yeah and it's yeah it's very produced and very polished and yet i love how there's a her breathing in is mm-hmm. really prominent yeah. in the song and i think it helps make it feel makes her feel human she's less spooky she's got this amazing voice and these intense emotions but you can hear breathe in and it puts you in the room with her right away yeah and so from here we go into again i think exploring some kind of ambiguity in relationships on this next track called two of everything the darkest emotionally of the songs but it's so it's maybe the most major key and it's got this really pretty synth line in the in the chorus and you know it's unclear exactly what's going on here whether that's it's the person that is this her girlfriend's ex-girlfriend or somebody that she's cheating with or like just they're not exclusive or whatever but it's like clearly you know the song is addressed to her her girlfriend's other girlfriend and there's a lot of you know difficult feelings here but it's very kind of cheery and it has a kind of sing-along chorus yeah i love the interplay of these two very different emotions because there's a certain in the verses that I think are more kind of quiet and contemplative and have this lovely through line of this opening line of to the one keeping my baby warm to the one sharing my lover's bed. Mm -hmm. And then that repeats through these verses Mm -hmm. with different details. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones where you kind of get the sense of the swagger of like, well, you might be with her, but she loves me. She loves Mm -hmm. me more. She calls me baby. Does she call you baby? She calls me baby. Mm -hmm. She really, oh, when she talks about you, she's not really into you. And -hmm. so there's this real swagger in these verses, even as they're the really kind of quiet and more, you know, more, more minor key. 
And then in this chorus that explodes with this really buzzy synth and much more major key high energy. And that's the one where it goes from, oh, I'm the one who's going to get her from you to, wait, why does she think it's okay to have two girlfriends? <laughs> and so I love that contrast of the word that where she gets a little bit more like, wait a second, is where she get, it, it, it gets so confident yeah. musically, even as she's less confident. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, and I like the fact that it's not the instrumentation reflects kind of the unresolved emotion that's in the song. And it, it's she's not trying to sort of sort it out. She's working it out within the context of the song. Yeah. Which is what makes it interesting. Yeah, and so I think we go into maybe a little less ambiguous territory though on this next track. It's called "Good Grief." down there over the beginning of a kind of chaotic guitar instrumental portion and I think this is the most guitar heavy song on the record I would say and also the more just you know it's clearly surrounding a breakup or aftermath of a breakup and it's very distorted and it conveys those emotions pretty well yeah it's fantastic diving into angry wallowing and you get the sense that someone said like no it's it's better this way we'll we'll grow apart and we'll both look back on this fondly and she is not ready to do that mm -hmm. and it's like let me feel my feelings and boy does she <laughs> it's uh yeah it's a jam but it is it's a lot and it, and but this entire album is like she is unafraid of bearing her heart to us in ways that draw us in and it's not always comfortable but it's it's always very real yeah and the the lyrics are so sharp and thoughtful and i like that this is all built around the idea good there's no such thing as good grief that is all very challenging and i feel like she's so clever with her choice of words and yet it doesn't create emotional distance between her and the listener i think there are some songwriters who are so focused on writing lyrics that are clever and smart that it creates, it, it makes them feel less emotionally authentic. But I feel like she pairs that up well with her, the sharpness of her writing and the authenticity of the emotion. Yeah, there's, it's not overwrought. And uh, it's, I find it surprising to say that about an album that's this produced, but the songwriting is not overdone even as i feel like there's lots of interesting structural touches and little pre-choruses that end up never repeating and different points where like the first chorus on this so so quiet and you think that's the direction and then we hear what we heard there was the second chorus where it's no you actually hear these incredibly noisy guitars fighting and almost it's and it's maybe one of the places where she's almost drowned out like she's so front and center in the mix on almost all these songs and in that chorus and then even more so later in the song in the bridge like sh you can barely hear her because 
these emotions are fighting these guitars fighting over her and it's almost drowning out the words very intentionally it's really cool so we go from a song about a aftermath of a breakup to potential reconciliation with a song called a few blue flowers you leaned back into me this as a song of maybe hope of reconciliation i guess maybe when i listened i got a much less optimistic vibe because it really seems to be this repeated pattern of oh maybe things weren't going that well or they were going well but at the end of the night i went home with the flowers and to be alone alone again to count the hours and just that sense of being really maybe a little too into someone and that and that and that entire and then we go into that bridge of like it was everything I wanted and it, it I, I took it as a very sad song not a yeah. reconciliation song because this person especially the this first verse where she talks about like oh you didn't even want to be yeah. like you, okay. you made me you made me drop my hand and we like I, I it, it feels like this person is not is, is not into her I'm not reading her mind and we can each take our own interpretation yeah. of the song yeah I also think it's intentionally the album is intentionally sequenced with a narrative arc and mm -hmm. so there's kind of they meet and then there's kind of or they start dating and there's kind of like some tumultuous periods and then then the next song after this is called Gracious Day and it's about like moving in together and like being in love. So I feel like there's some some narrative arc there that maybe I'm filling in the gaps, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think it's I, I don't want to be too prescriptive. I just mm -hmm. know that the emotional experience of listen, listening to this song was one where I felt really I felt sad and, yeah. and it's just and it this it, it this sense of longing and how sometimes the the longing is is we we hope that we're loving the right person and I, you know I, I come out of the song and I'm not sure and may, did they make it work or not I don't know well I mean I think that's also kind of the intent of the song is that nobody is sure and it, it this was uh, it, the interaction that she got was everything she wanted and it was this meaningful kind of interaction but whether that's enough we don't know so fortunately we go from this kind of ambiguous and to me very sad song to what is just a very very romantic penultimate track and as you described it is called gracious day I don't want you going 
stripped back all of the fancy production or most of the fancy production is stripped back and we're left with such an earnest song and one that I feel you know I'm not too jaded to be incredibly affected by this where someone who you know I I think there were I talked earlier in the album about like you know seeing someone and seeing things in that person that she doesn't see mm-hmm. and just this wonderful like yeah I long love songs aren't this kind of songs that I inspire and Torres saying no I'm gonna write so many love songs about you <laughs> just just watch and it's it's so sweet and it really yeah I, I I think you have have to have a heart of stone not to be a little moved by just the her ability to be this in love and be this open about being this in love And the way that it's just mostly, or the beginning at least, is just the acoustic guitar and her voice, again, very close mic'd and very forward in the production, in contrast to the more sophisticated or more complex production on the songs that are over the course of the earlier, the the rest of the album, it just really, I think, highlights the emotion and the lyrics and the the feeling of this song it just gives it such a different tone that i think is perfectly appropriate for where it is and i actually wish that she had made this the last song rather than the penultimate track because i think it's such a great like finish to that yeah the, the last track is definitely a little bit of a change in intent and i think if anything it's a little bit of an opening up uh to get beyond I think the all of these are so kind of relationship focused Mm -hmm. and I think that the last song does open up a little bit and try to connect her she's kind of connecting herself as someone who can love with love people to herself as an artist Mm -hmm. and you know finding that confidence and like yeah I'm I'm an awesome singer and I can really express these emotions so well and I I think there's a to call it swagger would be a strong statement but Mm -hmm. I think there's a certain amount of confidence in this you last said swagger tra- like four times. I like saying so it's apparently the new word that I really like saying. Uh-huh. Uh, but that this the last track I think really is, and especially you know talking about getting dropped from 480, this mm. amazing really big time label, and you think you've hit the big time and nope having yeah. that yanked out from under you, and to find this new home on merge and keep making music that's going to touch people, and realize that yeah you can dust yourself off and keep 
keep having an amazing career. And the fact that she, you know, was told that she was being dropped because her record didn't sell enough and was not commercially successful enough. And instead of going in the direction of like, okay, well, I'm going to try and make a very mainstream pop record that everybody's going to buy, that instead she went in this direction and made something that was more personal and more unique to her own voice. And it's such a great record. I, yeah. Everyone should listen to it, yeah, I think. Yeah, give me this over 10 pop records for sure. Yeah. So we'll go out with the last track. It's the title track, Silver Tongue. And we've been listening to the fourth album by Torres. And you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. My mother told me every breath Holds the power of life and death my teachers warned me, watch what you sing Whoever's listening will believe That's what I keep the hours fed.